friends, you're listening to Crickets to Cha-Chings, a show where we talk about all aspects of running a handmade business and marketing that business for success while still keeping a balance to have flexibility for your family. I'm your host, Lauren Keplinger, and I am so excited to get started. Let's jump right in. Hey everyone, Lauren here. I have a new little thing on the podcast going on today, and that is to bring on a guest to tell you about their experience building their shop on Etsy and or their expertise in a field that relates to having an Etsy shop and being a business owner. So this is a new feature that I'm trying out for the next few months and we'll see how it goes. I would love to hear your feedback about whether or not you like these guest episodes or you enjoy the material that we're talking about in the guest episodes. I think it's super helpful for you all to hear from other people who have had success on Etsy or had success in an online business, and they're able to sort of share their story and also to show you that I'm not the only person that's had success on Etsy and that this is something that is achievable for you and that there's a variety of different paths to get you there, but it is definitely a goal that is possible. So I am super excited to introduce to you today Adrian Woodle Mursa. She is a wreath maker on Etsy and has been in business for right around two years since 2017. Well, I guess that would be almost three years at this point. I can't believe that the year is almost over. But this is her little blurb that she wrote about her story and how she got started. She says, Hi, I'm Adrienne Whittle-Mursa, and I have a love for crafting. I love to make and try any craft, but have found a love for wreath making and floral arrangements. I truly believe in doing my best work and making or designing a piece that you will love. Since opening my Etsy shop, my dad built me a studio in my basement of my home that is truly my happy place and inspires me to bloom my business every day. I have a three-year-old son who I spend most of my day with, but I hustle during nap time and nighttime to make things that will make you smile. With over 1,500 sales on Etsy in just over two years, I've learned a lot, loved a lot, and grown a lot in my business. Sticking to my own vision and staying in my own lane are two things that I pride myself on and believe they drive me to higher goals within my business. I think you guys are going to love to hear what she has to say about those things. Sticking to her own lane and her own vision are things that Adrian is really passionate about and does a fantastic job with. And I cannot wait for us to dive into this conversation. So let's go ahead and get started. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Crickets Choo Choo Chings. I am so excited for this episode because today I have a very special guest. Adrian Woodle Mursa is here with us and she is going to talk all about her journey on Etsy and her process of building her shop. And I'm super excited to dive in with her on that and to really hear about her story. So hi, Adrian. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thanks. It's awesome to be here. So the listeners have already heard a little introduction to you and your business, but I'd love to hear in your words how you got started and what your business really is and just kind of that whole story. Sure. So it's always funny, I think, whenever you have an idea to start a business. I've I've worked retail a lot, I mean, basically all of my life. Um, and I was in advertising and PR. Um, I graduated from Penn State. I actually live right where Penn State University is located. Um, but whenever I 
had my son, my husband and I had just moved into a new house and we kind of decided that I'd be a stay-at-home mom. It just was, you know, monetarily not worth it for me to work and send my little guy to daycare. So I was at home and I kind of on a whim, we had a glass front door put on our house and on a whim, I kind of decided to make a wreath for my front door. I am crafty. So anything that I see that I think, oh, I could maybe do that myself. Like, why not? I'll just see what happens. Um, And whenever I mentioned it to my mom, she actually let me know that my grandmother um, was a wreath maker and would make wreaths and sell them in the gift shop at the hospital that she volunteered at. And so my mom's like, well, I, I mean, I know how to make a wreath somewhat. Let's do it together. So my little guy, I mean, I think he was maybe two weeks old. We bundled him up. He took a nap out in the garage and we made our own fall wreaths. Um, and I was so proud of it. It was so funny how I kept showing it to my husband. He's like, I get it. You made a wreath. You know? <laughs> um, but so I decided to do it just because of, you know, I wanted a little bit of privacy on the front door and whatnot. And then I made a few more um, during the next season. You know, I made a fall, I made a Christmas, and then I made a spring one. And I kind of started to get questions from friends on Facebook if I would post, you know, a picture of it. Hey, like, could I commission you to make one of these for me? And it was so funny how it kind of landed in my lap because I was somewhat looking for something to do. I do love to work. And being a stay-at-home mom honestly was a little bit harder for me than I had anticipated. I mean, Obviously, I love my son, but I like to have something that makes me feel accomplished, you know, something that I can do. And, you know, you don't you don't get a grade being a mom like your kid can have a tantrum out in public and you don't feel like, oh, I did a great job, you know, being a mom today. So <laughs> having that was important to me. So um, I got the idea to start Etsy after my mom, actually, whenever I started had, making the wreaths, she gave me. Um, she was cleaning out my grandmother's house. My grandmother had suffered from Alzheimer's for many years and she gave me like her toolkit that she used, like her pliers and glue gun and everything that she had used to make wreaths. And, um, so I was using those and just making some for family and friends and kind of just charging them cost, honestly. Like I wasn't really even charging a profit at all. Um, and I was making them in my dining room and I laughed because I thought I had a lot of like quote unquote inventory then. And now it's nuts because my whole basement is basically my business. But, um, and so I kind of, everyone kept telling me to start Etsy, but I think that you do struggle with a lot of questions of like, for me, wreaths are big. How do I ship them? Or, you know, you don't really, you have a lot of questions in the beginning that are hard to pull that trigger. But, um, I finally, just decided to do it um, June of 2017, whenever my son was a little bit older and, you know, put up, I don't even know, pictures of ones that I had made before for family and friends that weren't even like made and ready to go, but I knew I could, you know, replicate and make again. And, um, and sat down with my dad and did everything by the books as far as forming an LLC, you know, sales tax, everything that goes into it on that end. That is so great. I love the story. And I have a few questions that come off of that. Um, what was the time frame between when you started making them for yourself and then when you opened an Etsy shop? How much time was there between those two? I would think like nine, 10 months. Okay. So not that long. 
And I love how organically it kind of came out of, you know, just doing it and having this sort of sentimental feeling and this connection to your grandmother through this crafting that she wasn't even doing anymore, but you could kind of like keep that tradition alive or whatever. And then sort of that just organic path that led to opening this shop where you think like, I don't even, I never would have expected that I would have ended up here, but here I am. (laughs) Um, And then is your dad have, does he have like certain skills that he helped you with setting up this LLC? Is that something that he had done before? Is he an entrepreneur? My dad has been um, kind of a big business for, I mean, his whole life, he has helped run a lot of companies. And so he understands it on a, on a high scale. A lot of times things he even says are like over my head, (laughs) you know, I'm so small scale, but he helped me lay out, um, everything from QuickBooks to LLC and whatnot. It's not, um, as hard as you think, as far as getting an LLC in your state. I live in Pennsylvania. So, you know, there are some things and it's funny because my dad actually, whenever I was talking about it, he, you know, obviously took the serious formal side of it and sat down and said, Hey, here's a list of questions that the state of PA says, ask yourself this before starting a business in Pennsylvania. Can you answer them for me before we really sit down and think about what this could turn into? And I'll never forget my dad asking me now, I mean, you want to start this, but do you see yourself making 100, 200, 300 reads in a year? And I remember thinking, wow, that would be incredible if I could do that. And I did a thousand last year. So I think though that having that mindset and knowing what, you know, you've talked about this on other episodes, knowing your limits and not, you know, and I have a lot of, of, you know, thoughts about knowing how many you can do or how little you can do, but knowing what it can turn into is important to think about in the beginning whenever you're forming that foundation of starting. There's so many things you don't know, but something that I've said a lot whenever I get asked is you don't have to know all the answers to the questions, but you should have clear questions set out whenever you start a business. Like, okay, how many am I going to try to make? Or um, what is my target market? Even just knowing those questions, you don't have to know the answers to them but it helps you to kind of create that spider web effect on covering every facet of your your business that it will just grow out from there whenever you have those questions to ask at least. Yes, I love that and I agree completely. I think that Adrian and I actually talked about almost a year ago um, when I was first starting to sort of build my Etsy course and stuff. She was somebody who I kind of picked her brain because she was a little newer to Etsy than I was. And so getting into how all of that unfolded and everything was really fascinating. But one thing that stood out to me with you, and I think that you've like summed it up really, really well right now, is just that there was such a conscious and like formulated path for you as you grew your shop. It was not just this like haphazardly spiraling out of control and you had no idea what was going on. Like it was very, um, there was very, it was very methodical how you went through these steps. And I think that that is really important. I totally agree with you from the get go for people to have sort of just this idea of like, what are you trying to accomplish and what are you trying to do with this business so that it just doesn't just, to become this sort of like, I do this one thing one day and then the next day I'm on to the next thing. And like, I have no idea where I'm really going with it. I, I think you're right in that. And I think that too, if you do that for yourself, 
you can stick to your own vision and your own, like stay in your own lane. Because I think it's easy whenever, you know, there's a big gap between like we talked about that organic idea of, hey, I could do this for a business and being able to do something versus actually running the business. And once you get into it, if you don't have those type of um, that thought process, then you're so, I think it's easy to go look at someone else who's doing the same thing as you and kind of try to build the business off their ideas instead of your own. And you're never going to grow to where you want to be at that point. I think that staying in your own lane with your own vision is so important, you know, and you don't always know where to start, but um, you know, like you're saying with your course, like there are things that can help you to establish that foundation. Absolutely. Yes, that is such a good point. And I totally agree. And I fell into that trap too when I when I started my Etsy shop that it's like, you, you know, you have this a little bit of success and then it's like, oh, but this person is doing this and this person is doing this. I could just be everything to everybody. And then it ends up like, no, no it doesn't work out that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when you started your shop, what was your original goal? Like when your dad said, do you see yourself making two or 300 wreaths? Did you think like, oh my gosh, there's no way I could ever do that? Or did you think like, yes, that would be awesome. And I want to keep going from there. I did think, yes, like that is awesome. Originally, my goal was to have one sale a week. My dad and I originally had a goal, I think of 10 to $12,000 in revenue a year was something that we kind of had just spit out on paper. Um, as I'm naturally a goal setter. So that's, I, it was good for me to do that. Um, and last year I had a six figure year in revenue, which was great. Um, but I think to having that one sale a week was a good goal for me because it gave me the time to build the business, not solely focused on sales, you could say, but also, you know, was a way that I could grow, but then also conquer, you know, conquer that it was attainable, you could say. Yes, absolutely. So it gave you like a little step forward. And then from there, it's easier to envision how you could have five sales a week or 10 sales a week or whatever and keep growing. So wreaths are pretty popular on Etsy. There are definitely a lot of wreath sellers and yet you have grown this very successful business. And it's not, you know, I, I have people that will ask me like, well, but you started your Etsy shop so long ago because I started my shop in 2012. Like, could somebody really step in now and have that same kind of success? And I think that your story shows that that is still there. You know, your your shop is relatively new and you're having a huge amount of success pretty quickly. So what do you think it is that makes people attracted to your shop versus other shops that sell wreaths or other shops that are more established or have been around longer than you? yours um, and make a similar product or at least in the same niche of products that you make? So I think my answer is a little bit different than you probably will find um, with most sellers. I am pretty strict with myself. I do not follow anybody else that does what I do. I don't on Instagram, Facebook, I don't want to see anybody else's wreaths at all that they create. And I think how that has been um, kind of a benefit to me is that I am able to really keep my own design structure in my mind. And it's kind of for me like the golden rule, like 
I don't want to be like anyone else. And because I'm not like anybody else, people are attracted to my product because they're different in little ways. I mean, a wreath is a wreath, like you're saying. And there is, I mean, I think there's like 40 to 60,000 wreaths that show up whenever you put <laughs> fall wreath on Etsy. So obviously there are a ton of um, other wreath makers out there, but competition is not something that I particularly worry about. Um because everybody has different tastes and I have kind of come up with my own structure and own look that I stick to. Um, it's funny because I, it's nice to relate to other Etsy sellers. And I have um, a friend, Jess, who I've actually never met in person, but she is a maker on Etsy and she is my business bestie, you could say. And we throw ideas as far as where we get our products, you know, things from, but I don't even follow her on Instagram. Like I don't want to see her products um, because I think that it helps me to stay to my own vision. And then my customers see that difference whenever they see my wreath show up on the search engines because it doesn't particularly have the same look as anybody else. I think that is a fantastic answer. And I commend you for your self-control <laughs> in not falling prey to the temptation of checking out your competition or to, I think a lot of times people get almost like a little bit obsessed with their competition um, and sort of, you know, you assume or, well, obviously not you, but a lot of people assume that if somebody is having success with this one thing that they're making, if you just kind of replicate that, then you can have that success too. And I think that what your experience has spoken to is the fact that people are looking for different things. You know, they don't want you to be your competition. They already have the option of that competition person doing their own thing. But by not checking out that competition and by not kind of obsessing about what everybody else is doing, it allows you to have that creative vision that you feel confident in. Because I think no matter how confident of a person you are, when you're surrounded by competition and especially by very successful competition, it makes you second guess yourself. <laughs> well, it's like with anything anything anywhere. I mean, social media, it's talked about constantly of these perfect pictures and this perfect life. And if you're a mom or if you're, you know, in a job, or if you are trying to like dress the latest fashion and everyone around you, you're watching them and seeing, you're not going to be as confident in your own vision and your own style. And so I think that really just crosses over into the business type. I also like, I get questions all the time about, um, where I get my boxes, where I do this, where I do that. And I have made an effort never to ask somebody else that's doing the same thing. I think because my answer for my own business, even though I do the same thing as someone else, may not be the right answer for them, depending on demographic, depending on their lifestyle. There's so many things that play into it. And so figuring out, like I said, having those questions and then figuring out those answers for your own self is going to make you the most successful for you because... Um, I know too, like I've been copied before and it's hard, it's, it's disheartening, but I also think for me, knowing that I am sticking to the golden rule of like treating others, how I want to be treated, it's paying off for me because I'm not ever going to be able to look at one of my designs and say, Oh, I saw that other design that had sold a ton and was a bestseller on Etsy. And I decided to, you know, Hey, I can benefit from that type of thing. Um, I know that it came from within my own 
vision. And by doing that, I think it helps me internally to just grow my own style, like you're saying, bigger and bigger, because I feel that confidence from that. So I think that that is so important. And that that is just such great advice. Like it is, it's really hard in a crowded market. And I think that a lot of people do do kind of get caught up in that competition. I hear it all the time from people in my community that, you know, how do I how do I make any sort of impact in this market when there's so many people that are selling the same thing? But I think that it's kind of that mindset of like abundance or plenty or whatever you want to call it. Like there are plenty of buyers on the internet. Like there's billions of people on in the world that are shopping on the internet and looking at stuff and there's no need to copy somebody else. There's plenty of buyers for both of you. So um, that is just such a great message. I'm so glad you shared that. When you first got started on Etsy, if you could go back in time now to 2017 and start over again, is there anything that you would have done differently or anything that you say like, I just rocked that and I absolutely wouldn't change it or here's kind of where I misstepped and I wish that, maybe not wish that you could change it because you know I think everything is a learning experience, but that if you were starting over now in 2019, that you would do differently? I would say that um, some great advice that I got was I'd actually purchased something from Etsy, someone in completely, she sold ring dishes. Um, And whenever we were having a conversation about it, I happened to mention, hey, I'm just starting Etsy. And she gave me a great tip on um, like a few Facebook groups to join in, you know, like Etsy sellers and buyers group or whatnot on Facebook. And so I made the effort to join those groups and kind of um, post on there once a day, just different reads that I had done and kind of read the posts about how, what the techniques were. I think that Etsy um, gives you a great seller's handbook that is overwhelming in the beginning, but truly is there for your benefit And so I kept hearing like, I mean, I know now after being in business for two years, you hear the word SEO more than you'd even like to. But whenever I heard that, I did not have any clue what it was. And so I think capitalizing on that and saying, okay, how am I going to get my product to be seen? SEO truly is big. And not letting that overwhelm me, but just taking the time that was necessary to learn it um, was really important to me. And just making sure that my um, shop was, you know, the best that it could be look-wise. I didn't have a logo at all for like the first month I was in business. Um, But something that I have done is really poured everything back that I've made so far back into building my business. Because I think that it's easy to get stuck in the idea of, I want to make money. I want to make money whenever you start a business. I mean, obviously that is mostly the goal. That's what we do. You know, why we want to start a business. You want to definitely make a profit with it. And I think that sometimes people think it's a shorter journey in between the idea of starting to making the profit. Um, If you want it to be a long-term business, I think that it is important to pour back Um, some of that profit into making your business a professional looking business, um, you know, so that you can grow it from there. And looking into how you can do that is important in the beginning. And something that I've been working on, honestly, for three years, that journey isn't even truly over yet. 
But, um, but yeah, when I started SEO and learning how to do that, and then also just taking the tips on how to make myself look professional, having little things like writing thank you cards to my customers and my own style of creating my own kind of vibe that made me have my own look and whatnot was so important to me. Yeah, I think that is really, really great. And I totally agree. I think, I mean, I'm seven years into it and I don't feel like the journey to really finishing out being a professional business is totally over. I think it's like a fluid thing. You know, there's always things that you can improve on. Like something that I really struggle with is gift wrapping. I'm a terrible gift wrapper. So even in my personal life, I'm not, that is not my skill strength. Um, And so when people like pay for gift wrapping, I'm like, oh gosh, this is going to be awful. And so I, I'm aware of where those sort of gaps in what I want to provide versus what I'm providing. I'm aware of where they are, but they're not all, you know, fixed yet. Like I I don't have the answers to everything, but I think being willing to take that imperfect action is so important. Like you didn't not open up your shop because you didn't have a logo. You opened it up and then you figured out what your logo was going to be as you went. And that process just continues to improve and get better as you go along. Hey y'all, I am jumping in here right now for just a second to tell you that I have a brand new free checklist out for you. If you are just getting started on Etsy and just starting to explore the opportunity that Etsy has for you, I have a checklist ready for you to download to see where you can go with it. And it is called seven ways to know if your product can be successful on Etsy. You can download that checklist at creativemomboss.com forward slash seven ways, the number seven W A Y S creativemomboss.com forward slash seven ways and grab a copy of your checklist to make sure that the product that you have in mind is going to have a successful market on Etsy and how you can begin to formulate your idea for a shop. I hope you'll get that. Okay, now let's get back to our interview with Adrian. I think that's very true. And I think too, something that you have to keep in mind is that um, the only metaphor that seems kind of funny to me, but is like when you move into a house, you don't always know how you're going to want to decorate everything right away. It takes a couple years of living in that house and seeing how you, you know, live in the space to know what you're going to want. And it's the same thing with a business, your systems and your processes of how you, um, how you make things, you know, it's funny, like even with my studio, I went from my dining room to working on my concrete basement floor. And then my dad actually, can do some carpentry work just by, you know, by fun. My grandfather built two houses that my dad grew up in. And so he came down one night that I was in the basement. It was like 10 PM and I probably had 20 orders in my queue that I had to finish. And he's like, you got to stop and you got to think about how you're going to, how you're going to assemble these. And you need a space. You can't keep working on concrete floor and bad lighting, you know, or, or your product's going to show that. And I was kind of like, well, now's not the time. Like I'm so busy. And he said, no, you have to stop and figure it out. And so, you know, I was excited at that point to kind of make a profit and take a draw out of my business and instead chose to pour it all back into building this studio that now I can't imagine not having. And, you know, I market with my studio. I do a lot of Instagram videos with it and it's helped me create a better product long, you know, long-term by doing that. 
I love that. That is so great. I, I totally agree with you. And while I do think it's important to to make sure that your systems and your financial systems are there so that you can pull some money out and not, not, you know, constantly oh, yeah. be investing everything back into it. Um, Cause I think there are a lot of people also that get caught up in like investing everything. And I think that that's okay. As long as it's like a really conscious choice for a shorter period of time, but like, um, I think that it's just important to have that like sort of systemization of it. But I also totally agree with you that taking a pause, like that was fantastic advice from your dad to to take a pause and say, okay, I'm not just drowning in the day-to-day, like barely keeping my head above the water, but I need to have like a grander vision for where this is going and to be willing to invest in to make sure that that actually happens. Otherwise you would have gotten burnt out. Like that's probably what would have happened. You'd been like, this kind of sucks. Like I'm working in my basement in the dark and I don't know how to make this better. (laughs) And it gets discouraging. Yeah. And I think that knowing, you know, breaking down, I know that something that we did with my Christmas season following that fall season was breaking down and putting in all the Etsy fees, making a spreadsheet and kind of it's hard to somewhat, even for me, like when I design, I'm not like, oh, this stem costs $4 and I'm using two of them. And so that's going to benefit, you know, turn into this profit margin type of thing. I just am like in that creative sense. And so going back and kind of figuring out something as far as making a profit that my dad taught me was pick a percentage of profit that you want to make because pricing is such a hard thing for people to No, because it's very hard to value your time. And I think that, you know, saying, okay, I mean, this is just like a random number that I'm throwing out there, like this particular piece, whether it's a floral box, and you can pick different things for me, like a floral box or a wreath or whatever, I want to make, you know, 30% profit or 40% profit, whatever you choose, and then working backwards to make sure that everything that you're using down to the glue sticks down to the, you know, packaging tape that you use, um, that all of that's accounted for and that you're coming out with that profit. And then like you're saying, choosing whether you take that as a draw or you put that back into your business. And I definitely think, you know, also, obviously I'm, there's so much effort that goes into it, making a profit towards being at home with my son and, you know, helping to pay for things that he, that he does, um, or trips that we can go on is so important. Yeah, totally. Um, so do you ever run into a situation when you are designing something that you have this creative vision that you are really excited to make into a reality and then you work backwards and you say, well, this financially, this is like not going to work. I'm not going to be able to make this work in my shop. I think that's the biggest challenge that I've had more so is um, actually being able to accomplish the amount of sales that sometimes I perceive I can do. Um, I ran into this last season. One of my reads was featured as like, I don't know if a headliner is the right option, but like when you got on, it was an editor's pick and it was the icon for designs um, and inspiration. And for some reason, like I invested in a ton of inventory being able to create that amount of orders. And it was something that I after I had bought the inventory, kind of had to work backwards and be like, 
there's no way I can do this many orders. Like, sure, I can possibly sell this many. Sure, I can definitely get the inventory for this many, but I physically cannot spend the amount of time that it takes to get these out within a great lead time for my customer. Um, And so I think that, you know, in business, it's definitely natural and something that you run into of saying, like when I started and I said, oh, I'd love one sale a week, that you definitely hit the other end of that sometimes saying, hey, I have no time with my family. I have nothing else on my mind. My anxiety is at a high. You know, I have to be able to say, no, this is sold out and that's okay. And um, that's something I've hit only with a couple of my designs. You know, I have designs that sell one time and then are dead, don't sell really to anyone else. And then I've had a design sell 150 to 200 times in a season that I recreate that same wreath. So I think that, making those limits for yourself is really important. Um, and you'll learn, you're not going to always know in the beginning, like you're saying of backstepping, but I'm learning that every season of saying, I really only want to make this wreath 50 times. And I just have to say it's sold out, even though it's sometimes hard to say no to a sale. It's good to have those limits so that you do have some balance in your life. I 1000% agree. And anybody who's listened to the podcast in past episodes, I have talked about also hitting that wall where you're like on the verge of losing your mind (laughs) and being able to step back from that and not feel like it's a failure. So in that situation, did you just say it's sold out? I can't do any more of these. How did you limit that? Yeah, I actually did. And it even happened this season. Like honestly, yesterday I had one design that picked up and I said the other day I was really feeling just overwhelmed because I'm trying to get my Christmas line out and design that Christmas line and how my studio is. I like to have the season of floral that I'm working on in my room. And so, you know, I kind of have a few last fall orders and then I'm trying to build my Christmas designs. And so I'm like out of my room pulling inventory and then going back in and things that I've put away. And my dad's like, you need to be done with fall. Like it's okay to say, I'm done with fall. And I kept getting messages for this sold out. Like, are you going to be making more? And it was a hard decision for me to say no. But in order to for me to create a great Christmas line and knowing that it's only me with the help of like my husband and my parents, you know, whenever they can help out in certain ways, it's okay for me to say, hey, I've been making this wreath since the end of July for fall and I am done with it. Um And so I am still doing that with some designs and still learning that and truthfully we'll be scaling back a little bit at Christmas just because Christmas is such an important time with your family um, that I'm going to say I'm only going to do this many for Christmas and when I'm sold out, I'm sold out and not, you know, extending it because I think that you spend a lot of time like I know you've talked about with custom orders and different things like that. And then in the end of it, you're just tired and it wasn't really worth the profit that you made for doing that. So just like you find your target market, you have to do that with your own line and saying, I only really like to make this size and I don't want to do this custom piece because it's not going to be something that I want to invest the amount of time. I can't price it for the amount of time that I have to put into it, you know, and moving forward, just saying, knowing that's okay to say no to those things and that people can shop from other people that do the same thing if they want to put that time into it. 
Absolutely. And I think that that goes back to what you were saying in the beginning about having this vision for what you're wanting to do and what you're willing to put into it and then sticking to that and having the confidence to say, you know, that's just really not like a path that I want to go down. You don't have to say that to your customer, obviously, but um, like to, to say to yourself, you know, this person is is offering me this custom order and I can take it, but it's not worth my time. And are they going to find somebody else to do it that it is worth their time? Maybe, but it doesn't really matter to you because you have plenty of customers that are buying the things that you want to make and fitting in with the vision that you have for your business that you don't have to chase after those people that don't fit in there. Yeah. And I think that truthfully, you know, for those that are listening that are just starting, taking on some of those custom projects in the beginning, like I know you did it and I've done it. We all do it. And I think that only through doing that helps you to learn, I don't want to do this. Right. And, and so, you know, I think that obviously it's something that everybody goes through and it, it's just like with anything learning, hey, maybe I'm not cut out for this. I don't want to do it. You, you do get to that point and that's just through the learning process of trial and error of saying, of learning your own, you know, having that question of what, you know, what do I want to make and how wide do I want my product line to go? You find that answer over time from doing a few of those types of, of things. So it's definitely important to learn. Absolutely. I think it's a huge learning experience to take on those custom orders and to sort of chase after all of those things in the beginning, because it allows you to more firmly define what those parameters are for yourself. And I think that that's very hard to do stepping into it as a brand new seller. Like you don't necessarily have, or a lot of people don't necessarily have a super, super firm vision of where they're going with it. And some of those custom orders can kind of help direct that vision, but there does come a point where the trade-off is not worth it. And I think that it's really important that you recognize that. And I also have recognized that where, like for example, with your fall wreaths, if you continue to chase after those people who are buying them at the last minute at this point, like they're kind of, they've procrastinated. And so now they're stressing you out. Um, it would impact your winter and Christmas sales to still be stuck in that and which one is going to be more profitable for you. And it's almost always looking forward to the future. It's going to be more profitable for you because just because of the way people shop, like people are going to be moving on to Christmas within the next month or so. And so if you aren't able, like you're, it puts you in a position of kind of being like scrambling because you always feel behind if you're, you know, working with these people who've waited until the last minute. And so now they want you to be doing things that are for right now, but as a product based e-commerce business, it needs to be looking forward to the future. Exactly. And I think having, just like you set goals on how many sales you want to have or, or, or all of those little things that you look at, I think also knowing that you're not going to please everyone. And I always say, hey, my goal is to have maybe like one return or two returns a season. And if it's more than that, then maybe it's an issue with my product. And if it's less than that, then hey, I did a great job. And you're going to run into those issues whenever you have customers that it wasn't exactly what they're thinking because they're buying online or or whatnot. And obviously having great customer service is always a pro in any situation. You still have to protect yourself in those situations. And so I think 
saying a lot in yourself that, you know, I think personally, I think I've only ended up having like two returns and 1500 orders on Etsy. But I think having that mindset allows you to not, you know, be in tears whenever you get an email like this isn't what I was thinking. It allows you to say not, I'm not going to please everyone, whether it's fulfilling an order, or even if I feel like sent them a great product, and they weren't happy with it, it's going to happen. Um, And that kind of eases you in those times to, to deal with those situations. And like you're saying, about being stressed and scrambling, that is so true. In fact, I have people buying my Christmas designs from last year right now because my new line isn't completely out because I've been semi spending a little bit of time trying to fulfill those fall orders and not just letting it go. And that's just a real world example of, you know, it does happen. So it's definitely true that moving forward, moving on to the next thing, you know more, your customers will know more. And maybe next season they'll say, I better shop early because she sells out quick that type of thing. Right. Which is not a bad position to be in at all. (laughs) And I think that that stress, what I found in those stressful scrambling moments is that I began to resent the business because the scrambling that I was doing for my business was spilling over into my personal life and making me feel frantic because I had all these frantic people emailing me all the time and like emailing me asking where their order was. But, you know, I finally hit a point and I think this is especially timely around the holidays, especially Christmas, but you probably have more stuff in the fall and Thanksgiving and everything than I did. My big push was for Christmas because I used to make Santa Claus shirts for kids. Um, and what I was finding is that people would have, you know, they, and I still get some of it, but I have more confidence to say no now, but they would order on December 20th and be freaking out because they need this by December 25th and being able to just say, no, no, like I have a boundary and this is not going to cross over that boundary because, I understand that your Santa Claus shirt is really important to you, but my Christmas experience with my children is also very important to me. (laughs) Yes. And I I actually, I had that happen last year with somebody that had ordered a Christmas wreath on, it was like December 15th, but you are right. I don't run into this as often, mostly because people decorate with my items. They don't give them as gifts. Um, But someone had ordered a wreath on like December 15th and my lead time was three business days, which is like nothing if I have like 50 (laughs) orders in my queue. And whenever it didn't, um, I had it ready to go the, like the, the fourth day, I guess it was, it was three business days. I had printed out the shipping label and it was being picked up the next day. So it took me that three days and the lady went irate on me and was like, I have to make Christmas special for my kids. And I was, I thought... I did it within the time period. You waited till the 15th to order it. And, right. you know, so I think that, you know, nothing against her and we all get into crunches where we don't buy things at the time that we're supposed to, you know, or need to or whatever. But having those boundaries and, you know, going back to protecting yourself and not being stressed, you know, there's a lot of Thanksgivings that I spend in the morning at 5 a.m., you know, before down making wreaths. It all is if you want to do that and what works for your own lifestyle. Absolutely. And I think that that is a really important point. I've also gotten those messages from people telling me that I'm ruining their holiday. Um, And my what I always go back to mentally, but it's taken me a while to get there. Like for so for newer sellers, I do think that it's a very hard um, 
it's a hard thing to balance because I want to make people happy. And I understand that these products are more special than something that you can get from Target. But I also refuse to like internalize those feelings of, I mean, if I'm ruining your holiday because I didn't get your Santa shirt there on time or on the time that you wanted it to be there, there is more there than I can help you with. (laughs) So, you know, like you can go to Target and buy Santa jammies. Like there, this is not, I'm not the only person in the entire universe that has something with Santa on it. So exactly. And I think too, just for people who do sell on Etsy, keeping in mind that people are always harsher behind a screen that, you know, you have to not internalize that you do because you are holding the weight of your business, um, on yourself, but knowing that people can always be harsher. I had a lady who a, a monogram had separated. It hadn't broken or anything, just separated from the wreath in transit and I was going to fix it, you know, the situation, but she told me she was sick to her stomach over the situation. And I thought I cannot, I actually at first was in the grocery store parking lot when I got the message and started to cry. (laughs) And Uh I was after, you know, learning from that experience, it kind of taught me, I can't internalize this. It was a, you know, a little blip that happened in shipping and I would have fixed it. And that is going to happen. And, you know, like I said, allotting yourself saying, if I, I can allot that I may have one, two customers this season that are upset. You know, it helps you to deal with that on on an emotional side a little bit easier. Yes, absolutely. So I would love to hear from you. What do you feel like this, the past two or three years of building the shop and building this income that you've made from the shop, What how has that changed your life? Like how has it impacted the way that you're able to stay home with your son or have him in preschool or, you know, or just beyond that, the vacations or whatever you've mentioned, what has it allowed you to do that you maybe wouldn't have been able to do if you hadn't had it? I would say that, you know, flexibility is a huge thing. I am a nap time and nighttime hustler with my business. And I think that because I could kind of work around my son's schedule, I could be home with him, but I also could be building the business that once he does get into full day school, I will be able to even give more of my time and make it more of a, you could say a full-time job. But having that flexibility is so important and having those few years of learning, which go faster. I know if you're a new seller and you think, I'll never get there or I, I'll never be you know, where I want to be, you will be quicker than you think as long as you keep, you know, in, if you keep your vision going. And I think that that's the biggest thing is that I've been able to, one, stay at home with my son, experience those moments, and then build the business and take those stepping that once he is in school full time, I will have set up to have a really, you know, built foundation to continue to grow this and kind of know the ropes by then. Hopefully, I think you're always learning in life in general, you're always learning, but, you know, I will be ready to, you know, be able to do that and not have missed a lot of things with my son. I love that answer. And I love that you have such a focus on sort of the longevity of this business and the long term vision. And I think that that is so important. Like this is not an overnight get rich quick scheme. And I I see so much of myself in you. I'm a little older. My kids are a little bit older. But I also when I started my shop, I was pregnant with my second child. And my goal was to have it be 
moving towards a full-time job by the time she started kindergarten. So I had this, you know, five or six year vision of what I wanted it to be. It happened a lot faster than that. And then I kind of scrambled to figure out what I was going to do with these little kids that were not in school yet. (laughs) Um, But I I think that that is so important to be looking at that long-term vision and not to, you know, say, if this isn't profitable in the next two months, then I quit. I'm done. Like it, to have a realistic expectation of the growth of it, which, you know, as you've seen, probably happened much quicker than you thought it was going mm-hmm. to, but you're in it for the long haul. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's a lot like a fad diet. You know, you can't fast for three days and lose, <laughs> lose weight for a long term thing. <laughs> only. And, and so it's a lot like that, but in an opposite sense of, you know, having, like you're saying, the perspective that it could grow quicker than you want and somewhat being prepared for that. You know, we've talked about like having those limits, which if you hit those, you can backscale and have learned a little bit quicker, but also knowing a hundred percent that if you want it to last, two things are, it's not going to grow overnight. And two, it's not going to, you're never going to grow it off of someone else's idea that you do have to learn yourself. I think that you want to have all the answers so quickly, but that's not reality. And I think that you'll be prouder and you will grow better and stronger if you learn those things on your own rather than trying to find them other places to get somewhere quick, you know, quicker. Absolutely. I think that so many people get caught in the trap of sort of being a perfectionist in wanting to have everything perfect from the get-go, but then not being willing to take those steps until it's perfect. And my feeling with it is, you know, you can put out the best product. Like I, I don't think that like skimping on your product quality is the place to not be a perfectionist, but in terms of like running the business and having the business vision, it is it has to be so fluid as you go. Otherwise, you can't continue to learn and improve. Completely. And because it is so overwhelming in the beginning, choosing one thing, like I think SEO was my first major thing because I knew my products wouldn't even be seen, you know, if if they weren't. Um, and then, you know, descriptions and studying how they are seen in Google versus Etsy. Um, and then branding, I think it was, it was a year after my first Christmas. So it took me almost two years to actually do professional branding that my, um, packaging tape, my thank you cards, everything matches my logo now. Um, and so I kind of picked something, you know, one thing every season that I would focus to grow a little bit and kind of, you know, perfection, you know, put a perfection, um, touch on. And then I think the other thing is that like you're saying, not skimping on the quality of your product. If you are always putting in your best effort for every wreath, heck, I have opened up boxes that I have taped because I'm like, I think I forgot to do this with my product. So I'm not doing that on an extreme, obviously, but making sure your product is the best that it can be. I will say just from experience that your product and um, the quality and the finished touch and everything will grow on its own. I look at some of my reads that I sold my first year and I'm like, wow, I do that so much better and so much more fluidly. Like you're saying now that, you know, just learning from experience, that finesse will come with time. So absolutely, as long as it's perfect, you know, as long as you're doing your best effort, all of those things will come with time. And you know what? Probably those people that got your early wreaths were perfectly happy with them. Like you see the imperfections now because you've really perfected your craft more 
but they were perfectly happy with what they got. Yes. I think too, I think like you're saying, it's always better than buying, you know, something that's manufactured. I think, yes, anytime that someone gets a wreath, um, at least I've found, you know, heard that it's such a difference from a manufactured item that you're like, you're saying they're, they're perfectly happy with that because it's so different than anything they would find, you know, in a big box store. Absolutely. All right. So to wrap this up, I would love to hear what are you reading lately? Have you read any business books or do you have a favorite business tool that you would love to share? So I, um, I have loved the compound effect by Darren Hardy. That's definitely something that I, a book that I had actually listened to on audio book. I listened to a lot of books on audio and then I love podcasts. I mean, I think listening to other people that are, that do something similar. I mean, Rachel Hollis has been huge this year as far as having an impact on, on different things. Her rise podcast is, is nice. Um, but yeah, the compound effect by Darren Hardy just kind of teaches you on how to make those small steps and how they do compound over time that you aren't going to reach your goal right away, but that, you know, making those small things and having those questions and goals definitely ends up leading you to where you want to be. Awesome. I haven't heard of that one. I'll have to check it out. Thanks for sharing. And thank you so much for being here. I am so glad that we got to have this conversation. I think that you have added a huge amount of value and I can't wait to hear what people have to say about all the ideas that you've added to the conversation. Where can people find you if they want to check you out and connect with you and get themselves a holiday wreath before it's too late? Sure. So, um, I am on Facebook, but I mostly hang out on Instagram. My handle is Branch and Bloom. It's an N, so B R A N C H N B L O O M. And um, then my shop name is the same on Etsy. All right, that sounds great. Thank you again so much for being here. I really appreciate you coming in to have this conversation, and I appreciate you sharing all your wisdom and experience as you've grown your business. It's always fun to connect with, you know, others that have been in the same place as you and, and kind of grow from those, you know, different ideas and things that people have experienced. So it was awesome to be here. Wow. So did you guys enjoy that as much as I think that you will and hope that you will? Adrian has such a unique business-minded approach to her Etsy shop, and she has seen such amazing results from that and from the hard work and the creative vision that she's put into it. I hope that you guys have loved this episode. And again, I would love to hear your feedback about having guests on the episodes and as a part of this podcast. I think that it's going to be a really great thing. It's not going to be every week. We're striving for one to two guest interviews per month, but I think that it will help mix things up so you guys don't get bored from just hearing from me every single week. Having somebody else's perspective of how they built their business and the things that they've done to be unique and to stand out in the marketplace is truly invaluable. And I appreciate Adrienne so much for joining us today. And I hope that you will check out her Etsy shop and get those orders in fast because as she talked about, she is drawing those boundaries and spending the holidays with her family, which I think is fantastic. So head on over to Branch and Bloom on Etsy. It is B-R-A-N-C-H-N 
B-L-O-O-M, Branch and Bloom. I will see you guys next week right here on the podcast. Same time, same place. Bye for now.